We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United nil, Norwich nil, and you've got Alex Hurst, Adam Woodrington, Norman Riley to talk to you about this wonderful game of football at St. James's Park. It's not all doom and gloom. Seven unbeaten, tenth in the league, in the draw for the fifth round of the FA Cup. And Adam, what a fantastic time to be a Newcastle fan. Is what you could say, and what some are saying, a minority of them on social media. But I'll come to you first, Adam, I'll ask you, what on earth was that at St. James's Park yesterday? Quite simply, Alex, that was not good enough. Um, I think we've earned the right as fans to expect a lot more. If you look at the last two home games against, you know, inferior opposition, Oxford at home, Norwich bottom of the table at home, and we're playing five at the back, we're sitting deep, and we just don't seem bothered. There's no urgency. I'd, we, it's, it's becoming more evident that Steve Bruce is tactically one-dimensional. Um, he has just a one-size-fits-all formation and strategy for every single game that we play. Sometimes being cautious and defensive has won us points, has won us, has, has, has won us games, and that's been fantastic. But you need different plans for different opposition. That's kind of how it works. And you just feel that people, we're not, we're not disrupting anyone's afternoon. We're not, dis, we're not giving defenders enough to think about because we just don't seem that bothered. We don't create enough. And it's, it's absolutely, I mean, beyond, beyond the fact that we're just, we just don't seem potent as a football team anymore. It's just, it's turgid and it's dire to watch. And actually the performances that we've seen in, in, in yesterday should come as no surprise to anybody. And, and that includes the games that we've won and the games that we've come back from in injury time and all those great moments. We've played like this all season and it, and it's, it's it's not a fluke. It's not just it's not a run of form. It's not a. This is this is what Bruce. This is what Bruce and Newcastle United are, and that to me. Points tally aside, you can you can you, we can. The points tally is obviously the most important thing at the end of the day. It really is. But we should still have the right to demand more than that. It's not points tally aside. That is not good enough. You know the reaction of the managers was telling after the game, but. You know, Daniel Farker said that they dominated the game, created more than enough, enough chances to win that game comfortably. 
they were the better team in both halves and that he was really angry that they didn't put away any of their chances. Then you've got a famous Sky Sports football chat show, which kind of probably preceded the football podcast of anything. It's been going about 30 years. It's under supplement today saying, does Steve Bruce deserve credit? Now, I'm going to take a massive leap and say none of those lads who came up with that idea have ever paid to watch Newcastle United <laughs> at home. But, you know, you mentioned there Oxford and Norwich, and you mentioned there the formations and stuff like that. What do you what do you feel went wrong? So like I know I know what you're saying. We're playing three at the back, and me and you were fairly close to Steve Bruce yesterday until we had some seats in you know the halfway line of the Millburn stand, and we could see him during the game. You know, trying. I think he was trying to get players closer to Joe Linton. He was trying to get his fullbacks up the pitch. You know, how much of it is 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 like in game management from the manager and tactics, and how much of it is the players just just not not being good enough. So. We obviously noticed him talking to a couple of players, Matt Ritchie, for example, in terms of, you know, certainly the second half, like, just push, push further up. We need to, we need to press them back. This is not, they're there for the take and they really, really were. But when it's so many, when so many players are doing the same thing in terms of, you know, sitting so deep, like too deep against an opposition of their quality, which I mean, poor quality, that's, that's not an individual error. That's, that's from training. That's, and if he's, you know, get into what he said later with, you know, but th- th- it's very, very evident that we didn't have a plan yesterday. I was trying to work out and I kept sort of saying, right, Dubravka, Dubravka's got it. Let's see how we attempt to build an attack. And I honestly couldn't see what the, I honestly couldn't see what the plan was. I couldn't see, we seem to be using the right, the right wing quite a lot and we were fairly successful. But to be honest, a lot of that came from, Federico Fernandez's awareness that we were lacking urgency. So he, he, a couple of times, more than probably anybody else on the pitch, tried to grab the game by the scruff of the neck now and, and bomb up the right wing. Now, it shouldn't be down to a centre-back to start making us more urgent in the, in the final third. That's, that's insane. That's absolutely ridiculous. So we, what I noticed is that we were just so static when we had the ball, we were playing between the lines and, you know, little, you know I hate... It annoys me a lot when I hear this grumble in the stands from people who are just really, really impatient. However, p- pass it forward more. <laughs> the, when there, the, there were options, like it's, I appreciate that sometimes, yes, it's more important to keep possession and if you have to pass back or sideways to, to ensure that, fine. But so many times yesterday we had, we, we just took a t- couple of extra passes to get to the, to get, to get the ball to the player that we needed to at that point to try and move between the lines and, you know, I wondered if Bentaleb was going to be kind of that box-to-box box and just give us a bit more support in that final third because but, but it was the same old story. Top three were isolated and the plan, inverted commas, you can't see me making the uh, the gesture, but it's, it's give, give it to one of the quick, tricky wingers, Almiron, Sam Maximan, and just hope something happens. That that's, that's barely any kind of game. That's not a game plan. Like if we've got if we've got Julian as a target man, do we try and get crosses in for him? If you play Matt Ritchie, he's always going to be sit, sitting deeper. Um, you know, Yedlin tried to get forward a bit, as I said. Like you know, we, 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 we seemed a lot more potent down the right hand side. When Lazaro came on, he actually he actually had a lot of impetus. I thought he looked like he was like pass and pointing where he wants it back. He wants it back. He, he had sort of there was just like urgency about him. He was trying to he was trying to orchestrate the game. He didn't be in the club five minutes. There just wasn't enough 
creativity. We had no ideas. There's absolutely no innovation in, in, in that team. And as I said before, it's, it's static. We were stagnant. And I honestly just, I don't know, I don't know what we're supposed to be trying to do at all. I have no, I have no idea, Alex. One of my concerns is we, okay, fine, let's, let's, let's deconstruct this seven-game unbeaten run. And what came before that in terms of Man United, Everton and Leicester was a bit of a shambles. Uh, some mitigating circumstances, but mostly, you know, we, we were just terrible and gifted the opposition lots of goals. Since then, three of the unbeaten games were against teams in League One, but still four unbeaten in the Premier League, in this Premier League. You know, funny Castle United isn't, isn't bad. You know, Wolves defended well, hard daily kick. Chelsea defended well, hard daily kick. Everton were shite, but got a brilliant two, you know, two ridiculous goals in the last minute. And then yesterday we were, were shite again. I'll say it, we were shite yesterday. And my concern is, it's like, right, we've got Oxford, and he he wants to stick with the same formation. We'll get into why later with Norman a little bit. Okay, you want to stick with the same formation. It didn't work. It, di- it did not work. And Bruce, after the game, says we weren't good enough, we didn't move the ball quick enough, we didn't create enough, we didn't put them under enough pressure. What have they done in the seven days since that game? What what was different to the setup? Because I can't see a single thing. It looks to me, it, it's just like... You know, go on, lads. Out you go. More of the same, and th- this is where Bruce is going to pick up criticism because, and we will talk about being tenth in February, and we'll talk about you know potential positives later on. But what what does him and his Steves? What do they do during the week there to think? Right, this is what went wrong against Oxford. This is what we're going to do differently. And yeah, Norwich are a better side than Oxford, a much better side than Oxford, obviously, but they're still the worst team in the Premier League. The absolute worst team before yesterday. Well, including yesterday, that scored six away goals in the Premier League. Six. I think they conceded 25. So that suggests if you have a go at Norwich, if you make them defend, you will score goals. And I think Tim Krull has made a save from Alan St. Maximan, a shot. Again, just get the ball to him and hope he cuts in and has a shot, which he did. And then the save from Joe Linton, who should have done better. But you know you know what, Joe Linton now, two home games in a row in the league has like nearly scored. I think, you know, this is like uncharted territory for him. I'm not going <laughs> to slag him off for that. He should have scored, you know, so, I mean, you know, like someone like Salomon Rondon buries that header, but like loads of Premier League strikers bury that header. But at least he's made the keeper make a save, a really good save. And Almiron should score the, the follow up. The angles were, were possibly a little good against him. Apart from that, against one of the worst defensive teams in the league, definitely the worst away side in the league. Um, that's it. That's it for 90 minutes football. And I, and, I, and I have to genuinely ask myself, and ask, me and you asked ourselves yesterday, what has he told them pre game? Because. It's just, like you correctly said during the game, Adam. Um, we the first five minutes, all Norwich are having is touches in our half, touches in our final third, and as the away team and in a team that's as bad away from home as Norwich are, that's just confidence building. That's a hang on, we're going to get time and space here. You know, Norwich mm-hmm. for me, they stuck four players, four players on our back five constantly, and they got men ahead of the ball. So forget about formations. They, they came with a plan. We are going to get men ahead of the ball here and we're going to break in numbers. You know, when you've got corners, we're going to leave three or four players on the edge of our box to break at speed. And that is, is, is so much more positive than our setup. Forget about formations. The idea that we're going to get men ahead of the ball, the idea that we're going to put Grant Hanley in a back four up the pitch, and yet it's okay if we get, if we get broken on because Newcastle's holding midfielders, who are both holding midfielders, are playing so deep so deep that even if they win possession back, they've got we're on top of them straight away. I wonder what any of the coaching staff, including the manager, like what, what did the what was their plan to counter any of that? What was their plan to think? Well, this is what Norwich is gonna, are going to do. So here's what we're going to do that will be better than that and score goals. Because to me, it just seems like the tactical setup 
and the the mindset against Oxford, even though we had lots of possession against Oxford and Norwich dominated the ball yesterday, it was identical. And, you know, we, we saw times where Dubravka would have the ball and it was like, right, now's the time to counter-attack. And there were just, there weren't the options there and Norwich just got back and set in so quickly. But we, again, just no urgency or, or even desire to try and, like, break and get at them. But, you know, as you quite rightly pointed out during the game, when it was with Tim Krull starting, goalkeeper, or he just had it in his hands, every time we pressed them high, they made a mistake or they yep. kicked the ball out or they hoofed it long, which they didn't want to do and we, oh. won, we won possession back straight away. But that only happened about twice in the, in the first half, even though it was so effective. And then in the second half, I, don't, I, still, don't, I still can't remember us notably doing it a lot. It was, we'd found a way to exploit them or to, to find a, a weakness that we could, you know, maybe nick something and we panic them and worry them and sort of get them in their heads a bit. But we didn't take it. We, did, we sort of like did it a little bit and then we just, we still just sat back a bit. And it's like, as a, as a head coach, if you see that and, you, and then you, you still don't tell your team to keep on doing that, because they had, they had the most possession yesterday. I thought we would have the most possession and wouldn't know what to do with it. Instead, we had less possession and we still didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. They, 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 had, they had most of the possession yesterday, Norwich, and yet we didn't do that, that pressing thing that we... That, that, was, that would have been effective. It, 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 it's crazy. And while we're on Grant Hanley, he came closest to scoring for Newcastle in the second half, which is just unacceptable. That's after a half-time rocket from Bruce or whatever he's told them. A defender, a former defender of ours, nearly gets an own goal because from that crossing and that was the closest we came in the entirety of the second half. And that's, that's not good enough. And the fact that he, he was able to comfortably marshal Joe Linton is a bit of a disgrace to be honest I, I hated Granite Hantley when he was here I thought he, I just didn't rate him at all others might disagree I really really don't think he's a very good player I can't believe he played at national football but he had a very very comfortable afternoon yesterday and that absolutely shouldn't have been the case Norman you weren't happy with some of the subs through the game were you? Yeah I mean there's quite a few things to pick apart in the performance um, I mean even the starting lineup. Like against the side, as you say, that scored six goals away from home, pretty much plays with one forward and Pookie. Um, we know that they're attacking numbers, but they do only have one forward. Um, why are neither Shane nor Lejeune in that lineup? Why, why have we gone with our three, what you consider to be more traditional centre halves? Um, Shane Lejeune, that, that match is screaming out for the, the kind of player who, you know, Dubravka can perhaps roll the ball out to, who can carry a good 20, 30 yards up the pitch, who can pick a pass. And, you know, if if we're basically setting up tactically to almost bypass the midfield, then we need somebody who can lie deep and who can spray passes into space where the quick players can possibly get onto it. Um, and I'm thinking as well with Joe Linton, like, he's persistent with playing as a centre-forward. I think it's quite obvious now he's not a centre-forward. What is the point of playing him up there as a centre-forward? You've mentioned this before, Alex. He needs to go on the bench. He needs to be brought on with sort of 20 minutes to go for a few matches to see if he can impact the game. Um, from that from that kind of position to see if Billy's comments up seriously yesterday looking at the squad I mean no, no forwards no centre forwards on the bench um, not really one on the pitch as I say why don't we just start with the Rizal why don't we just start like if that first time we start with the Rizal we Maximan and Armiron as a front three who rotate against a defence as cumbersome as Norwich uh, Norwich's with Grand Hanley at centre half I genuinely think we would have been better off if as I say we're going to bypass the midfield if we don't have a centre forward bringing in a centre half like Shea Lejeune and pretty much trying to put balls into space to, to a rotating front three and then something, 
something might happen. Whereas yesterday, it just it, it didn't even have that option, and we didn't even have the, the kind of let's just put uh, you know nice passes into, in, into space and see what happens. And it's actually a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of Allardyce's time at Newcastle. This right. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to try not to concede, regardless of the opposition, as opposed to this is the opposition. The first thing we need to do is get out and get in their faces and score a goal. Um, it reminds me of, I think, the, the story that came out of Newcastle under Allardyce's time when Allardyce, every kind of tactical session, every um, team meeting, you'd be like, right, this is how we're going to stop them playing. And I think one of the senior players piped up and said, but what, what are we going to do to play against them? And, and that's what it feels like at the moment. Um, there's no emphasis on any sort of let's go, out and, let's go out and try and win this game. It's the case of let's try not to lose. And I think Bruce even alluded to that in his post-match press conference. You know, well, we haven't played well, but at least we haven't lost. It's like, yeah, but we are playing not to lose in every single game, whereas there are certain matches, i.e. Norwich at home, where we should be playing to win, if you see what I mean. You know, I'm ha- against Chelsea at home, play not to lose by all means. Against, you know, one of the big teams at home um, or away, Playing not to lose, but against North City at home, you've got to be playing to win. And the way that we were set up yesterday and the personnel that were out there, that, that wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. Um, and in terms of the substitutes, um, you know, as I say, no, no centre forward on the bench, so no, so no option in that sense. Um, Longstaff coming on for Hayden. Now, there's a couple of ways of looking at that. It, it's almost, has Longstaff been brought on for Hayden just with the hope that he might provide something, as opposed to it actually being a specific, right, you go on, I want you to do this, this, and this, I want you to play in this place, I want you to see what Isaac's been doing, I don't want you to do that, I want you to be a bit more advanced, I want you to push the beam on. Um, it's almost just been a case of, well, let's throw him on to see, you know, to see if he can engender something, create something magic, a bit like, a bit like with Maximan, and, and I can compare it to, um, I suppose, to Man United, uh, Man United played against Wolves last night, in Solskjaer basically stuck... Um, James Matter, Fernandez, and Pereira in, in his team. Now he hasn't done that with any kind of tactical nous or this is how we're going to play. It's basically being case if I just throw more attacking players on the pitch, then surely we'll score a goal. And that's kind of what it felt like with the long staff substitution yesterday. Um I also think maybe if you're going out to win a game and you want to inject a bit of pace late on in the match or sort of twenty twenty minutes ago, maybe Danny Rose should have came on for Matt Ritchie earlier and Lazaro um, on for Maxi might have been a better move. I don't know, you know, but these are just the kind of the, the thought process that I've been having as I've, as I've looked through match reports, as I've watched the highlights. Um, and one more thing I will say, in terms of defending, yes, we're defending well. But the difference, and I hate to go back to um, the previous regime, but the difference is, under Rafa, when we defended well, and we defended deep, we limited teams to sort of 25, 35 yards, so we're having to take pot shots, and we're very difficult to break down. What's happening at the moment is, it almost feels like the defending's more of a case of last stand of the animal stuff, and we're massively reliant on Dubravka making saves as well. So yes, we're keeping clean sheets. Yes, we're defending well, but it's not sustainable. If you look at the difference between the kind of clean sheets under the last regime, shots on goal and saves that Dubravka actually had to make, actually had to make were less. So I don't think this model of let's basically defend, you know, on a thirteen yard on thirteen or twelve or thirteen yards out is, is sustainable because you know Dubravka is not going to save every single shot, and against more quality forwards, we're going to concede more goals. So it is a bit disconcerting and. Frankly, I'm, I'm staggered that we've got 30 points on the board, um, given how yesterday wasn't actually an anomaly. It was pretty much indicative of how we've played most of the season. There's only one team that have conceded more goals than Norwich away from home this season, and it's us, which I didn't know. I didn't know we're that bad <laughs> defensively. I mean, at home we've only conceded 12 goals in 12 games, I think, which is which is good. Uh, away from home, not so good. But yeah, just to back up your, up your point there, Norman, about 
you know, this this was an opportunity. And I also feel that the game management with the subs didn't recognise the fact that this was a game Norwich had to win yesterday. Like, we spoke about after Adam and, yeah, it's, you know, it's a point away from home from the Premier League. And let's face it, before yesterday, there was only two of their 11 games, which they hadn't lost, just to put this result in the context for people. That's how bad a result. Before yesterday, Norwich had played 11 away games, had lost nine of them, taken four points of us this season. Um and there was no kind of, you know, if, if you look at the end of the game, we were hanging on. We had everyone back for the last three corners. Norwich got in the in the 90th minute, and it's like we we're hanging on for a point. And whilst we might talk a little bit later about um, these kind of things, ultimately, we you know, we didn't realise that, right, the last 10, 15 here, if we're still in the game, still in the game, yeah, but if we're still in the game, if it's nil-nil, they're going to throw men forward, so this is our chance to counter-attack. There was none of that. There was, there was, there was pretty much the only counter-attack done yesterday was by Norwich, which is mental, considering they had most of the ball. I think teams have, have worked worked us out from an attacking sense. I mean, Chelsea did it. What um, Everton did it. Wolves did it. We didn't have any counter-attacks in those games. Pretty much, you know, like the two, go- the three goals against Everton and Chelsea were um, set pieces. And the goal against Wolves was a brilliant finish from Almiron where we, we did turn over the ball. And to be fair, okay, I'll, I'll call that a counter-attack even though we won the ball in their half of the pitch. And we had a centre-forward on the pitch, Alex. We had a centre-forward yes, on the pitch in that Dwight, match. Dwight Gale made a, a big contribution to that goal. You know, it, it, it's like trying to, con- to contextualise yesterday's game. The, the, the biggest issues I've got, it's not that it was a nil-nil draw. Sometimes you've got the football and sometimes you're not very good and you don't win. You can live with it. But I predicted nil-nil on the, the preview we did for parents through the week. And, you know, Mickey, who I did the podcast with, was like, oh, you're so negative. And it's like, no, we're not very good. This is us. There isn't there isn't some kind of, like, great hope that it's going to click. There isn't some sort of, like, well, we'll, we'll turn up one day and we'll give someone a baron. This is us every single game. We're set up the same, pretty much regardless of the opposition. And the substitutions are normally the same. To be fair to Bruce, he, he did change it a little bit earlier than normally yesterday. This is us right now. It's not going to get any better this season. I remember saying to you yesterday, Alex, um, after the game, that had had we played as Norwich had yesterday, after the game, a nil-nil, but having played like Norwich did, I'd have thought, ah, well, at least we created some big chances on another day, we'd bury that. Another day, it's like 2-0 and we'll, you know, it's a comfortable win. Um, so that's, but it wasn't so that, you're right, it's all about context. Because this was us and because of how our performance was, just there, there, there was there was only one, there was only one team yesterday that looked like they wanted to score and looked like capable of scoring. And it certainly wasn't us. Like Norwich had three big chances yesterday, scuffed them all. We had we had one which was the the Joe Linton header I guess and the the Alberon follow up, but you know really important point that Norman you you make um, about those ball playing centre backs. There's no need for us to have three, as you say, just like box you know like no nonsense centre halves against a team like Norwich with with, with sort of one danger man in, in the final third in, 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 you know or certainly one striker. I know they've got sort of Cantwell's pretty tricky at times, but but Pookie, who who looked really sharp yesterday actually. Um, and we would have happily swapped yeah. Joe Linton for. I think if we swapped Joe Linton for Pookie yesterday, we we, we sort of we come out on top probably. Um, but exactly that when we, when the lines were so static, when we were short of ideas, you stick somebody like Fabian Share on. That's a game. That's a game changing substitution. Even though it's a centre back, that changes how we play. That changes what we're capable of on the counter attack. 
and yeah, like we, we we've known Cher just to be like a bit like Fernandez, like fucking done with this. I'm just let's let's just I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it and just see where I go, where I get to. And sometimes yeah, he loses it and whatever, but just to get just to break through the lines and make progress and give give people around him a bit more impetus. That's what we lacked yesterday, impetus. So it, it it's 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 excruciating at the minute. And you're right, this is. This is just what it's like under under Steve Bruce. It, it's I, I do I do agree with Norman that there was some personnel, um, there's some poor choices made in, with regards to personnel yesterday and substitutions. It's we should, it's poor and, and and Bruce keeps pointing to the fact that oh well on this day we've got Muto, Carroll, and Gale all back and it's like none of them have scored this season and we would and we would always just start with Joel Linton anyway yeah. <laughs> so there's no, that that's not even an excuse that's and not even an excuse some, either someone made the point to me on social media well he's, he's missing those players and Carroll could have come on and influenced the game and that is true but but we're playing Norwich at home we shouldn't be relying on Andy Carroll to come on and flail himself about and cause chaos and you know Joel Linton is a massive problem but like you said he would start anyway but one of the big issues with Joel Linton is he doesn't win free kicks he, he, so he, he you know Norman's point about starting three fast lads up front, I get it because, you know, the argument against that would be, well, we need someone to hold up the ball, we need someone to leave the pressure. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anyway. So, so what? What are we? What are we going to lose by doing that? Um, was not sorry just to say, and and, and with Norman sort of like that that point about yeah, just almost like play like a false nine kind of thing, just to, you know, mm-hmm. play just three th- three forwards just sort of running about. I mean, Crystal Palace have done that to an extent where they might they've sort of played a four four two with Zahar and Townsend like up front, but they, they've got so much movement and pace and trickery that they cause problems. They win free kicks, they win penalties, and they win games because of it. And that, like you say, the, 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 the fundamental point is correct. We need to find a new way of playing because how we're playing now, it's, it's hit a brick wall. As Alex said, it's, it's, it's not going to click. I've got no confidence it will just suddenly click and everyone will just get it. That, 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 that's not going to happen. This is where Bruce earns his money. It's not working as it is. How do you change it? Well, we're going to get into that. Is it not working though? Because of because of the points in the league position. But just really quickly on, on your point about the centre backs, yeah, it it would just seem on the face of it like a strange substitution when chasing the game to replace two centre backs. But he did against Everton. It bloody worked there. Get all the centre backs on. Um, and also, I mean, it it it's pretty much Kieran Clark, isn't it? Who has been excellent by the way this season? Um, because Fernandez was brilliant yesterday. He made. A, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was on the match of the day highlights. I might be wrong. But he had brilliant. I mean, Pookie was through one on one, and he recovered, and he got a block in, and it was like that was that that looked like a goal to for Norwich, and so he, you know he saved a goal there. And Fernandez is the only one, like you say. Actually, Fernandez is braver on the ball than Isaac Hayden all game. Mm-hmm. Bentaleb looked okay. He looks very tidy. He, he he seems to have some real ability passing the ball. You know, eye of a needle type type stuff, which is what you want. But he's so deep. That is, eye of the needle stuff was coming from his own half to get us just into yeah. their half, rather than from the edge of the box to a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, so true. And I think I think John Joe Shelby's a massive miss because because he you know he's his, his lack of mobility is a massive problem. But it's Norwich at home, and you need someone to be able to find the fast lads to to at least give them the yeah, well, ball. At, yeah, and, and sorry, a, go, go on, Norman. Sorry, Alex, I, uh, I thought you were stopping there, so I dived in. Um, uh, and, and that ties back into the um, lack of either Shell as you know, we, we said this even throughout the whole of last season one of the reasons that Chelsea um, other than injuries obviously when he was available wasn't picked is because basically Rafa felt like he wasn't necessary in the side so if if Shelby who when he's played this season has played obviously an important role in some 
sort of unbelievable victories that we've had. Um, when he's not available, then your default surely is I need to get either Shelley or Jernan because they they can pretty much offer what Shelby offers in terms of how they can pick passes from um, from a long distance. And and ultimately Shelby, you know, he does he does play a deep a lot of the time. Um, so when you've got either Shell or on the pitch, how how they move about the pitch, how they transition from sort of centre back to almost centre midfield, it is it is to a certain extent more or less a like for like their placement with with John Joe. So uh, I just just thought I'd reiterate. I think that the madness of not having Shell or in the lineup yesterday, I just can't get my head around it. You're totally right, Norman. And actually, not having players with that extensive passing range, like Cher, like Lejeune, like Shelby in the team at all, it means that our transitions ultimately are so sluggish. They're so slow. By the time we get it to the winger, we've had to go through the lines ourselves, passing it, like almost like do- doing it manually. And by that point, Norwich are back. They're set. They're in shape. They're and they and they defend very very easily. Whereas we can't counter-attack if we can't get the ball out fast enough. Like we want well, also, the whole point of a counter-attack is to is to, is to catch them on the break, catch them at, in, at at pace, and and before they've had a chance to get back and set themselves. So they're all over the place. We drive at them with the pace of and the dribbling of Almiron and, and Sam Maximan, and 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 that's when they're exposed. Sorry, go on, Norman. Also, I don't know what you two think, but obviously. If- if you say let's put Shirley here in that lineup yesterday, and Alex, you mentioned Bentaleb sitting deeply. You know, Bentaleb apparently created four chances yesterday, which was the most in, in the game and the most the most any Newcastle player has created in one match this season. Um, so I don't I mean I don't know how chances are measured because it didn't really make sound like you had many clear cut ones, but still uh, he was involved in something that was positive apparently. But if you put Shirley in in that lineup, automatically do you not think that Bentaleb is going to he's going to sit higher up the pitch? Do you not think one of the reasons that he's dropping so deep is because the defensive line is so deep because of playing three centre-halves who are your more traditional centre-halves and we haven't got that we haven't got that centre-half who's coming out and then as I say automatically Bentelev is just moving further up the pitch Yeah potentially but I think Adam alluded to it earlier in the show one of the issues is is that just say we do win back possession in midfield the, the midfielders go backwards and they go backwards to the mm. centre-halves who, who either go backwards to, to Bravka to hit it long or they hit it long and with Joe, Joe Linton up there just kind of ambling about not Getting anything from the centre backs, uh, which by the way did against Chelsea. You, you held it up better against Chelsea, but yesterday was just back to the, and you know back to the same old. Um, Norman, I really want to talk to you about Bruce's comments after the game, and he said it several times this season. I think he actually said the, the, the lads have played this way for two or three years, and that is why we are what we are. What do you make of that, mate? How, how, how have we got to this situation, and do you think there's anything truthful in what he's saying? I mean, it's factually incorrect because three years ago we were in the championship and we played basically 4-4-1-1. So that's, that's incorrect for a start to say two to three years. Two years ago we weren't playing this formation. This formation only started, I think, the way to Burnley last season. Correct yep. me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was the um, way to Burnley. So we haven't been playing for, for three years. And, you know, these, these are professional footballers. They're um, highly talented individuals because if they were, regardless of, you know, the disparities in ability in the squad and in the Premier League, most of the players playing in the Premier League are in the Premier League because they're capable of playing in the Premier League. Um, so they must be pretty good. And if they're pretty good and talented, then they can adapt to different managerial styles. So the way I look at it is, if you, let's see, let's see, let's see look Farker. Let's just take Farker from Norwich. He's got this style of playing, this identity that he's impressed on that side from day one. And he took them up. And yes, they're struggling in the Premier League, but they're not actually a bad side in, in the sense that they play good football. If you give Farker better players and he uses that system, there's no doubt that they have the league. If 
you put Falter in charge at Newcastle, I genuinely think would be uh, uh, he would he would impose his style and philosophy on the squad of players that Newcastle have got right now. I don't think he would turn around in six months' time and say, "Well, you know, all these players have been used to playing this way for two to three years, so I've abandoned I've abandoned my principles and my identity, and I've gone back to what they what they used to." I, I just it, it's a it's not an excuse. It's it's an ind- indication of well, I don't actually have either A, the confidence, or B, an idea of what my identity as a manager is. I'm basically just going to get in, get into training, and um, just kind of hit and rope and see what works best. And at the moment, this is working best in terms of not getting beaten, picking up results. But because, obviously, there's a bit of backlash against the performances, it's easier to just go on. Rather than say, rather than say right, um, actually, I'm trying to work out how I want this side to play. And at the moment... Um, because I can't, I'm kind of sticking to what we know best. But we, we you know, we, we, the plan is to maybe change things as, as we progress. But it's not a just like, oh, well, these players can't play another, in any other way. I need, six, I need five to six transfer windows to bring in my own personnel. For a start, I mean, which football manager gets five to six windows to turn things around? You know, and also, how does that impact on, on your actual squad when you're basically saying, like, these players um, aren't capable of playing how I want them to play, and I need five or six winners to replace them. It's just really, it's really poor management. And to be frank with you, I'm, I'm playing sticky down. It's just, if, if you, rather than say those, those kind of things, just don't say anything, you know, just don't say anything. Say, oh, well, you know, we didn't play particularly well. Um, we'll work on it in training, but, you know, we didn't lose. Got a clean sheet. Let's up your positives and let's move forward and try and learn from mistakes. Just stop making excuses. That's it. Um, because to, to blame the previous manager, if you're gonna if you're gonna say, you know, if, if it's gonna be the previous manager's fault that like we didn't play well yesterday, then every time we win, it must be the previous manager's doing as well. Is that not right? One of the weird things <laughs> to me as well is he said we'll change the formation three times a season. We've got absolutely bad. I can't think of the third. What I can think of is going for the back at Leicester away, which was mad. Um, Two midfielders at the start of the season, mate, right? That yeah. was against, against Arsenal and Norwich. I think we played with three centre midfielders, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so we, so we, I mean, these are tweaks rather than changes because in every single yeah. game apart from Leicester. So I think you must you must mean Norwich playing with three centre midfielders. You must mean Hayden bombing up the right wing. Yeah. <laughs> you must mean Leicester getting beat five when we were down to 10 men. Um, and you must mean Man United playing 5 3 2. Like, I, don't, I don't think, I think going to Man United and Leicester away and in, and in zero home games. Like it's not a decent cross section, and like I said earlier in the show, to me it's not just about the formation. Do I think starting with three centre backs is unnecessary against Norwich at home? Yes, I do. But the bigger issue is how much, how many men do you get ahead of the ball? How high a line do you play? What do your centre backs do when they're in possession? What do your centre midfielders do when they're in possession? It's it's more than just a formation. But then when Bruce says what he does after the game, it makes me panic even more because there's a genuine fear amongst Newcastle fans right now. And it's quite it's quite realistic, and it might not be right, but there is a feeling this is this could be the best it gets. This is mm-hmm. th- these are the days. Do you know what I mean? Tenth in February, tenth <laughs> in February. I mean, teams are playing today, so we'll probably not be tenth by the end of the. We we'll ignore that for now. Tenth in February, seven unbeaten. The th- this is what will this is what Bruce will be referring to next season. We'll be tenth. We're tenth, you know, last season. So I, so I know what I'm doing. Actually, not it's dreadful now, and I can accept it. And and, and I'm sure everyone listening is like. You know what? It's not fun. It's not enjoyable in the main because scoring against Everton in the 94th minute was enjoyable. Scoring against Chelsea in the 94th minute was enjoyable. And that Miguel Miron's goal was enjoyable. But the rest of those games would, would, would dirge a dire. Burnley away was was dreadful. Villa away was dreadful. Norwich away was... There's a lot, there's a lot of just absolute horseshit this season. But there have been some high moments. 
but there have been some moments to savour. But there have been some performances. You know, I think Bournemouth at home was a good performance. West Ham away played very well and created a lot of chances. There, there, there are things there to hold on to, and fans have held on to under them to think, you know what, this, we'll have some good players at the football club, we'll have an £80 million front line, we'll have, we'll have all of these things that should it click, should we get it together, then it could be enjoyable to watch one day, and maybe we can be a top 10 team with cup runs, but ultimately, every single game that you see, it seems to get worse, not better. You know, that performance yesterday was worse than a lot of performances we've seen this season. People on, on social media quite, quite rightly saying they think they've seen the worst of it this season. <laughs> they thought Watford at home was bad, then Brighton beat that. They thought Brighton was bad, and then yesterday beat that. And these aren't good teams we're playing. These aren't teams that go away and dominate teams away from home and score loads of goals and have resolute defensive records. They're fucking shit, realistically. They're rubbish teams, and they come here and the players off the pitches in James's Park week after week. And yes, we're 10th, and at, we've got 31 points, We've got a cup replay on Tuesday, which we shouldn't have to play, but it's a great opportunity. I've booked my hotel already for West Brom. Cancelable, of course, <laughs> but you know, like that would be a great. I'd really look forward to going to that game, FA Cup fifth round, with a chance for a quarter final. Seven thousand Newcastle fans, or whatever, probably not that many, but four, five thousand Newcastle fans with that whole stand behind the goal. That that excites me. I'm up for that. So there are things that are going quite well, and 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 to be fair to Bruce, it's not just about the injuries because the teams he picked in the cup game is probably the only players he had available but I think he, do, he, he genuinely has tried to feel his, his strongest team in the Cups the transfer window was it perfect three loans absolutely not but was it better than the vast majority of transfer windows under Mike Ashley yes I mean it's not a it's not a it's not a great thing to beat zero signings in crucial windows and like you know um, 14 15 and 17 which basically just crippled the club for, for various reasons. I'm not going to all of that now. So yeah, and, and I do think the players that have come in will improve the first team. I think Danny Rose should be starting at left-back. I think Nazaro could could be given some serious competition. I'm not quite sure about him being a right wing-back, but I think he could be serious competition further up the pitch. And I think Bent Levin Shelby would probably be my preferred midfield starting too. So at least we've improved the the, the team. And, and Bruce has to... You know, we can't just sit here slagging them off for what thirty-seven minutes now, and then not look at some of the positives. And there are positives in terms of the playing squad we've got, and in terms of the league position. But to me, at the minute, and that's why Newcastle were massively booed off yesterday. Um, the it, it's just not fun. I don't enjoy it. I think with the thing with Bruce, and to go back to a couple of things that Norman said, he's sort of thrown his players under the bus a bit, and that's really insulting. You know, to suggest that. He's basically suggesting, from from what I interpret, that what he's asked them to do yesterday, they didn't do or couldn't do because they've had a previous strategy drilled into them that they just can't shake off. Like that's, we, we it's very easy to, mm-hmm. to it's very easy to forget that actually Bruce tried to come in at the start of the season, play his own way. It absolutely didn't work. It was begging to be going back to what we did last season. He did that, and he started picking up some results. And it was like you know that first that that, that Spurs result. A lot of people attributed that to Benitez and there was a big debate about, well, it's not Benitez, Benitez didn't do that and Steve, Steve Bruce should be given the credit, et cetera, et cetera. But it, the truth was somebody, you know, somewhere halfway in between that. And, you know, what, what Bruce is clearly very good at is man management. He's very good. At, he's personable. He'll have a, you know, he's not, he doesn't seem like too intense a guy. He's approachable. I think that gives him grace with the playing squad. I think people will enjoy playing for him because he's that kind of because he's that kind of personality however uh, there will become a point where 
the novelty of Steve Bruce being a really nice guy and sort of, you know, getting into the, you know, understanding the mentality of his players will be outweighed by the fact that the tactics continue to not work. They continue to frustrate the players. And certainly if he's going to be sort of coming out after the game and sort of alluding to the fact that, you know, none of his players have done what he asked them to do, there's gonna that, that that's that's when things will turn sour. There's only so far the Mister Nice Guy thing can last without some sort of plan, some sort of progression, um, learning from mistakes, which is something Rafa Benitez did a lot. Rafa Benitez made a lot of mistakes, but yet you knew that there was a pretty good chance in inside a week he was gonna he was gonna learn from that mistake and better it, and find marginal gains, and exploit them, and that's not what I see in Steve Bruce, and there, whereas at the minute, the, the the points tally, and the league position, are impressive, from, and and maybe a bit of this Steve Bruce sort of, you know, rapport that he might have with the players, those are the only things, and once, once the, the novelty wears off, and things start to turn sour, I'm not sure... I'm not sure how bad it can get. I think it could get very, very bad indeed. Let's not forget, this is a team who played this formation last season, who scored four follow on the final day, who beat Cardiff 3-0, who beat, scored three against Southampton and St. James's last April and, and could have scored a lot more. So, it, 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 you know, it, there isn't a simple solution to this. I don't think that just changing formation or playing one less centre-back is going to change our our football. Or our, I'd, I'd like to see him try it. And that the frustrating thing about like a friggin' Oxford in Rochdale, it's like if if your team, Steve, has a massive issue with not playing with three centre backs. If it's the centre backs, we're saying now we need three of us here. You say to them, okay, I've stuck with that all season, and the results are there for everyone to see. Let's go with four today, though, because Oxford play four at the back, Rochdale play four at the back, and they're League One sides, and one of them is at the top of League One, and one of them is at the bottom of League One. Let's try it. And, and you know what? You might say, you know what? We've got Norwich at home today. They're dreadful defensively. Dreadful. The only team that concedes more away from home is us. But he wouldn't say that to them because I'd probably be negative. But, like, they're dreadful. Let, let's, we've, got, we've got the credit in the bank. We've done the hard yards against Sheffield United away. The wins against Palace and Southampton at home. Hard fought. Hard won points there. Today, I want you to go out there and have a go at them. And at least if we get torn to shreds, at least if we get beat 3-0 on the counter-attack and, and Norwich take the piss and win 3-0, I don't think it would happen, but the likes of us, gobshites here, wouldn't be sat here for 40 minutes thinking, what the fuck's going on? Why, why, after all the supposed good work, are we going to games at home against Norwich City, who are statistically, and, and I think will be, the worst team in the Premier League this season? And once again, just like Brighton, just like Watford, they've played well off the pitch. And this week was yeah. such, a, such a big opportunity. Sorry, Norman. This week was such a big opportunity, like like you say, to get the new lads in, to bet them in, and actually have a go. We had a couple of games where we could afford to be a bit, more, a lot more bolder. And what you were saying about formations, like yes, five at the back on on the face of it is very very defensive, but it it depends how that five. You know, Benitez played five at the back all the time, but not all of those performances was sat so deep or necessarily yeah. negative. It's it's about the transitions, it's about how you can turn how you can turn that kind of um the you know the the five two three well I guess the, yeah, I guess the five four one out of possession quickly into a into a three four three that's very, very yeah. attacking and gets people forward. It's it's all that and that all comes down to the strategy. But as we as we know, like this season, we are we it's very, very likely we survive, but we'll scrape it. 
and it'll be excruciating. That's just and yeah, grim. It, it goes back to what Norman said earlier, and it's like he, Steve Bruce came in, and there were some mitigating circumstances. First of all, he admits that he thought his agent was taking the piss when he rang him. Fair, fair enough. That's quite nice honesty, and also suggests that. He, you know, and he's talked about it before. He feels privileged to do the job, and that's all great. You know, they're positive things. I get it. Uh, he came in very late. The team had already been training for two or three weeks. He had to go to China. He missed the first game. Players had already been lined up to be signed in the form of Joe Linton and St. Maximan and whoever else came in. So there were mitigating circumstances, and I think this season overall, if we were to finish where we are now with the same points per game ratio, I'm absolutely fine with that. I can live with it. What I can't live with it is that next season because. We've spent two years battling relegation as a newly promoted team back in the Premier League. And it's 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 shit. There are high moments. There's beaten Man United under Benitez 1-0 when everyone expected we'd get beat. I could go through them all or not. There's high moments, but there's plenty of low moments. There's someone, you know, everyone listening engages, they watch the games, they go to games, they spend time and put money or effort or whatever or both into it. And I'm going to Crystal Palace. No one's going to Oxford on Tuesday. There has to be this is and this is bigger than Steve Bruce. There has to be some sort of progression in Newcastle United. Well, we can't we can't just be shit all the time. We can't just be yeah. the team that plays with thirty percent of the ball and has one shot and win. It's not enjoyable to watch. And different fans will have different opinions about what's acceptable to them. I get it. Some people and they're out, yeah. they're out there. They're, they're, they're speaking to me on social media and I appreciate it. I enjoy the debate. Saying, well, hang on a minute. We're this. We're that. And yet, the, there is a point we've won. Won eight games this season. Just checking the league table there. Yeah. Won eight games this season after twenty five games. That's all right. But nineteen of our 24, uh, 25 games a season, we've not scored more than one goal. We've scored three mm-hmm. goals once this season, which I believe yeah. is the worst in the whole division. But that statistic, you know, we'll have a goal difference of minus twelve. It's not disastrous, but it's it's pretty poor. That there has to be some point in Newcastle United. And, and to be fair, if they make the FA Cup fifth round and we'll make an FA Cup quarter final. That'll change my perspective a lot because if you're going to be an also around in the Premier League, which we are, lots of clubs are, the minimum I'd want to, to to counter that is a chance of winning a trophy and getting back into Europe that way. Because as a fan, that's what matters to me. I want to see my team play in Europe, and it shouldn't be out. It shouldn't be like an unspeakable thing to funny Castle United, a club of this size, to qualify for Europe. God, would we represent this English Premier League in Europe badly at the minute? Like go go to where these places have like twenty eight percent possession against like Bordeaux or something, and uh, and scoring with the only shot on target. Uh, I mean, the, the game that we scored three, we we still only won by one goal as well. We did, we did, we, we should have scored, we should have won by more. We should have scored five or six that day. It was poor finishing, and I mean, we played really well for seventy minutes or, or whatever it was, and West Ham came back into it. Um, and and, and this, the disappointing thing about yesterday is like. You know, after the Everton game, after the Chelsea game, you're like looking at all these fixtures, like, oh, we've got Villa, Burnley at home to play, Sheffield United at home. We've got to go to Bournemouth. We've got we've got to go to Brighton. Uh, we've got Palace and Arsenal. We've got Southampton. These are all teams in the bottom half of the table that we can go to. But we'll just if the game plans the same every single time, yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to see we're beating any of those sides at the minute. Or or if we do beat them, it'll be one nil, one shot type results and. Dubrav came out of the match. Dubrav was brilliant again yesterday, by the way. It hasn't been spoken about that much. That save he makes um, from the header in the first five minutes, I mean, Sam Birrimore, whoever headed the ball, that was serious power. The, the reflexes on that to push it over the bar, absolutely brilliant. The save against um, Pookie when he's when he's through, and I think Pookie gets it back on his right foot. It's a brilliant save. It doesn't look that good, but he gets down and he palms it out the way, and I know Kieran Clark nearly bundles it into the net, but... Wow, what a what what a player he's been for Newcastle United, Martin Dubravka. Absolutely, and back to what Norman said, 
him just getting his bailings out game after game after game simply isn't sustainable. Defenders scoring all the time simply isn't sustainable. It makes you worry, like. Yeah. Sorry, lads, I just jumped in there. Um, just to develop on something um, I suppose we've all alluded to what you were just saying there, Alex. It's interesting at the minute because we look at the points on the board, right? And, you know, you think, well, actually, that's really good for this stage of season. Like, the third season back in the Premier League, the most points I've had on the board at this, this particular point. Last season, after Almiron signed, once the style of play had changed, I've slightly with, you know, that front three of Perez, Rondon, Almiron, Longstaff and Hayden in fantastic form, defensively doing well. It really felt like we were on an upward trajectory and that almost culminated in that, like, you know, spanking Fulham away 4-0. And some of the football we played was brilliant. Um, no two ways about it. And it felt like we were, we were going places. You know, the squad was taking shape. Um, and you just thought, yeah, we're ready to move on to the next level. If he's given the money in, in the summer, not loads, but enough, um, it, we're going to keep on moving. This season, despite the fact we've got more points, it feels like we've gone backwards, which is really weird. It's a really odd, it sounds like an odd thing to say. We've got more points on the board this season than we have had at, at this stage of the last two seasons. Yet I still feel like we're going backward. Um, and also one thing, one thing I will add in in Bruce's um, defence, let's say, is if you put Ayuse Perez and Salomon Rondon in that team yesterday, there's every chance we would have gone on and won it. So this goes back to recruitment. Getting letting Salomon Rondon go, go. I know he was on loan, but like just not not replacing him at all. And selling Ayuse Perez for thirty million, who gets here twelve to thirteen goals in the Premier League. And Alex, you mentioned this really early on in the podcast about the lack of ability of Joe Linton to win free kicks. One thing Ayuse Perez did was win a lot of free kicks. He's a very, very intelligent player. The fact that we've let those two go and just absolutely 100% not replaced them in any way, shape or form that ties into how, how they were, what they offered as players, yet we're still playing the same system. It's just, it's a really, really poor decision-making. And that, that, to me, shows people who don't know what they're doing when it comes to player recruitment. You lose players like Ayuse Perez and Salomon and Don, you either replace them with like players who are similar or ones who are possibly better, but the fact that they weren't replaced has, has been has been a huge loss, and, and that that was out of Bruce's hands. So you know, absolutely, that that's that's something that I'll probably would have assisted him if we if we kept them. But I think the counter to that would be, and that you're spot on, by the way. But Bruce meets Ashley for the transfer summer again. This is Mike Ashley, who has nothing to do with the running of the club. He just leaves it to to the other people. Nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a total. I'm just above. I just check the accounts in the end of the year, make sure everything's all right. But I have to come in to be spoken to before we sign any players. Um, you know, Bruce should be saying there, we we cannot continue this season with the strikers. I've got we need to get a striker on loan, and I've, people say they're trying to get Giroud, and it's like this supposed forty million. Pound or forty-five million pound bid for a central midfielder who didn't want to come. Okay, who's next on the list? <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be him. Is it him or nothing? Is it is it forty-five million? No. Well, there's a lad here for thirty million pound who would come. Who's miles better than what we've got? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's him. It's him or nobody. Apparently, Craig Hope's just absolutely nailed the situation on the Sunday supplement, which I did criticise before. Not the not Craig, but the the tweet they put out about Steve Bruce and praise and stuff like that. So we'll have to get Craig back on the show if he if he fancies it recently because he's always uh, he's always really good value and tells it. Tells it like it is, and I think I think one of the to finish things off a little bit. One of the the key things about this football club at the minute is the direction it's going in, and there, you know there is no even from I think any of us three there is no massive move to have the manager replaced. I don't think I've never, I've not heard anyone say that at all this season. Pretty much since we beat Man United, you know the, there is very little anger at games, even when it goes badly away from home towards Steve Bruce. I think at Everton a two 0 down. I don't think even it was fucking dire. There's no great 
anger towards him. Yeah, the, the, the reaction towards the team at full time yesterday was was bad. Probably the, the worst it's been this season, I think, in terms of being booed off. Um, but you know, the, the, there is no kind of anti-Bruce movement beyond the analysis that that we're talking about, and, and lots of fans, to be fair, talking about social media or in real real life. You know, people aren't happy with what they're seeing, but there is no kind of like crisis at the club. There is no beyond the, the usual kind of stuff with the owner and supposed takeovers, which you know <laughs> we did we did a podcast for patrons. We did an hour through the week where we got on that, so we'll not we'll not go into it again. But you know, my advice would be unless there's someone at the club holding up the shirt, I just don't believe it anymore. Don't believe any of the takeover stuff. Um, what, you know, the, the the issue that a lot of fans have is the direction of the club, and like you say, and say Norman, last season wasn't brilliant. Thirteenth, forty four points. I don't think it's going to live longer, but it won't live longer in the memory. But what you could see was a team that got better and better and better. And what you've got this season with more points is we'll have better players this season, much better players. We'll have players who can defend. There are positive aspects to what we do and what, and, and to be fair, what Steve Bruce does. It's not all terrible. To me, they're just massively outweighed by the negatives. And as, as someone who spends a lot of money and a lot of time talking about football, watching it, travelling with it, Norman, you're going to Oxford on Tuesday, it's it's just not fun, and I'm sick of it. I think um, I just think Bruce needs to come out, and I would honestly, I would it would endear him. He would endear himself so much more to people like me and other fans if he just admitted the the performances that we produced against Oxford and Norwich at home weren't good enough. I need to find. We need to go back to the training ground. We need to find a new way of breaking teams down. I need to find a new way of playing. So we've got a plan B with the players that we have at my disposal. Um, you know, if he was just to acknowledge something like that, rather than just dismiss it as, 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 as other people's fault or other people's problems, like, I would like him a lot more, yet he doesn't do that. He doesn't do himself favours in the press, from my perspective. And, you know, there is... Yes, the point is brilliant for, 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 for you know, for the in context of where we are, but... Fans have every every right to criticise the manager still because it's that's just not good enough, absolutely not good enough. And if he just came out and acknowledged his deficiencies, if you know, if we say like he's an honest guy, he's sort of like prove it, T- tell us, tell us that that's not good enough, and tell us that you're the one that needs to to, to sort it, it out. I think he would say that he he does after the game yesterday. He said poor performance, we're not doing enough at the right end of the pitch. So he is at least acknowledging those facts. But I agree with you. But then the issue is. Will our performance be any different at Arsenal? No. Will it be any different when Burnley comes to James's Park? Probably not. It's one thing saying it, it's another actually having the ability to do it. And a lot of people would say, see Bruce as a symptom. You know, that that is what the, well, not the common consensus, but that is a, con- a consensus among some fans that there isn't anyone else out there who, you know, is available who would definitely come and do a infinitely superior job. What I do think is those players are capable of more than what they're given at the minute, or what they're what they're being made to give by the setup, and may, maybe it is an issue with the players. Maybe it is Steve Bruce is right that well, the, the players won't do anything else. Okay, well, we've got a serious problem there. Then that, that this group of players who we've praised so much over the past three years and we've, we've, who who we think have given us so much, all of a sudden are forcing the manager to to put out performance like this. It seems like an unlikely prospect to me. I think we'll call it there. We've managed to do fifty-five minutes nearly on that yesterday. Which is uh, which probably says something about us rather than uh, rather than the performance. Thanks to you guys, Norman and, and Adam, and thanks for everybody who listens. Uh, we'll be back 
well, there's a, there's a break now, isn't there? So there's no Premier League game next weekend. Uh, back in what Oxford. about Oxford? There's Oxford, yeah. We'll have some stuff for patrons uh, after Oxford, as usual. Norman will be there with the Match Day podcast. Um, and we'll have lots of for patrons this week as well, who pay us about seven quid a month for about 20, 25 extra podcasts on the delightful Newcastle United. Get listening to that takeover one. Just, <laughs> you know, just to wet the whistle. <laughs> um, we don't know anything, by the way. It's not one of those takeover <laughs> pods where it's like the latest on the takeover. Shut up, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks all. Speak to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.